back to the discussion phase, our weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. As always, I'm your host, John. I'm Brady. And I'm Matthew. And today we're talking tournaments. We're going to dip our toes into what board games we would want to play competitively and also catch up on a recent local tournament that may be sending two of your discussion phase hosts to nationals. So stick around and buckle up. That's right, everyone. I am I'm sitting in the presence right now of two individuals who have just recently gotten a bid. What do, John Rook, what do we play in? National tournament. A what? For a song of ice and fire. Does anyone else think John says tournament? Tournament. It's tournament. tournament. It's turn. It's tournament. No, well, then why is there an O? You're you're probably correct. You're probably correct. Tournament is spelled T O U R. If you go to a museum and have someone guide you around, what do you get? Do you get a tur or do you get a tour? It's a tour. A yeah, tour. but the word changes. No, you add extra no letters word. on it. It's a yeah, new no, word. No, no, no. Yeah, you can't <laughs> it's a new word. Things. This is the English language. Do you know what's in light bulbs? What do you call that? A filament? A filament? <laughs> you just put the two words together. tour Okay. I'll give it to you, John. We hey. just give you a hard time on it. Anyways. Uh, yes. Yeah, exciting news. So yesterday, Matthew and Brady uh, took their full Saturday to play at a local game store in a Song of Ice and Fire, which is a miniatures game. As you all know, you, you may have heard us talk. You about may have heard before. us talk about it, but uh, the exciting part was this is actually a regional qualifier for the national championship that's going to be held in uh, Minnesota in September. So the top four in this tournament got a bid to go to nationals. And Matthew and Brady, you want to tell the people a little bit about how that tournament went? Yeah, you can start, Brady. Um, so it, I will, it, I will admit that it sounds cooler than it is. So we played in a tournament. sounds epic. It, it does, it, but we played in a tournament of um, 12 people, and you and I got third and fourth place. Well, I should have had first asterisk. Yeah, but. we won't go into that. We will not go into that. There was a little bit of controversy amongst. We still qualified for the Nationals, which the Nationals, if we end up going. There's like which, 60 well, or more people. We'll be, you know, if we end up placing in, in that, I think that'll be a little more impressive. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. There's some good prizes there too. But I think another cool thing, Brady, is you took home another award. Then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, this one I was actually like. You should have won it last time more too. More surprised uh, than like you know, getting in fourth place or whatever, but I won a uh, best painted for my army, which, um, which I like that one. I did feel accomplished about because I spent a lot of hours. I mean, probably close, like, you know, anywhere from 50 to a hundred hours painting my army and, you know, basing them and everything. And like that, that takes like a, a surprising amount of commitment Yeah, because you know, it, it, when you're on that first miniature, um, you're all excited and cool, but when you get to the 40th of the same dude, you're just like ready to yeah. shoot yourself. Um, Pros and cons, because you can do batch painting when you go yeah. through the the set. Even then, I mean, you're still. I mean, I want them to look good, and so you're still painting tiny little you yeah. know, belt buckles and things like that. But yeah, yours were far and away the best, best painting, yeah, and well deserved. Were, I think there were some that um, that looked better than mine, but they the the entire army was not painted, and so they had some you know, some like plastic showing or whatever. But then the, the people who did have the best ones, um, they did not paint it themselves. They had a professional painter. Um, so it looked amazing, but they, I think, they, self, yeah, they one of the, one of the guys who won, like they did last tournament, they did best individual painted miniature, yeah, like yeah. for a big unit. And 
the guy ended up who won. He, he had his paid for, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, I I do think should be disqualified. Like, you, yeah, you should. If you, if you didn't do it, stipulate. You don't get the award. Yeah, because really, the painter you send it to should be getting the award. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, I honestly, Brady, if you want to make some extra money, I think you get a little account on Fiverr. Have you ever watched like uh, Squidmore Miniatures? Does the hey, I yeah, yeah, paid. Those are I, fun. I, well, in any sort of industry, I've watched those things where yeah. it's like we paid five dollars and five hundred dollars, and let's see what the difference is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do love watching those videos. But before I even really got into board games, I had watched some of those even before I got into Warhammer or any other miniatures games that have, you know, got me painting. It's just entertaining to see some of the different ranges. But mm-hmm. um, exciting tournament. Man. I was sad I wasn't able to make it. Um, initially, I had some plans that got changed last minute and had some, you know, catching up to do. So I wasn't able to go to the tournament, but um, I knew the, the Johnson City squad was representing. Yeah. Yeah. So we got sure. third and fourth. And we when we play each other. Um, Brady and I do most of the playing and like we, we go pretty hard and, and we feel like we're just, sometimes you run up a rut and then you're changing lists and everything, but you really realize how much playing you and I playing against each other benefits us when we go and play other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it like does. when we're playing against us, we know every move the other person is going to do. We're predicting, we're thinking three moves ahead. We know yeah, your yeah. tactics cards. And then when you go and play someone else, it's like, they're not thinking that way. Cause like your yeah. Targaryen list um, is super mobile, super fast. It, it's hard to, to panic them. And I'm like, how do I survive? And I've gone up at several times. I'm like, I haven't beat your list doing that. Right. But I've gone up beat, at a bunch. You beat somebody else who had who a similar, list. a similar yeah, type right. list. And I knew, I knew my weaknesses. I knew I can't kill him. I have mm-hmm. to space and survive and let him kind of come into me. And so yeah. it, it prepped me for that. Yeah. It was funny. In my last match, I was playing a Baratheon player who, um, Baratheons, if you don't know, are kind of in the game known for being like heavy armor and like super tanky and that sort of stuff. And what was funny is, um, I think the guy was playing was fairly new to the game, but, and he even said at one point when I was pointing something out about his list, that was like mm-hmm. a, a good thing. I was saying, Hey, your you know, your units are, are better than you think they are. He was like, man, you know, you know, my list better than I know my list. <laughs> and, uh, I think, I think stuff like that, truly not to toot our own horn because they're much better players than us, uh, is what separates like the familiarity with um, how the game works is is what separates people who are good at it from yeah. people who are. Because the guy who won the last tournament, he brought in uh, he, since there's there's non combat units which are these little ancillary characters, and one had the ability to copy an opponent's ability. For their thing mm-hmm. and you know so he bringing that was banking on the fact that he knew how to use other people's abilities right. for his benefit and against yeah. them and better than they did themselves used it yeah so yeah it was a fun time so um, yeah nationals are in september yep. mid-september or so um it's all the way in, in minneapolis minneapolis or yeah yeah it's kind of sad you so know strange. i was listening to one of the sort of the other podcasts out there that's just about a song of ice and fire and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a big event and uh, big enough to where people will actually fly from overseas. Jeez, yeah. And a, a lot of like the Europeans were saying, oh, it's going to be my first time to America and I have to go to Minnesota. Well, Minneapolis <laughs> is a pretty good city, but I usually yeah. think it'd be somewhere with like international airports like in Atlanta or yeah, St. Yeah. Louis. may have that. But to your point, it's not or Philly. It's even. not the big city, but I think the yeah. um, believe it or not, a lot of game companies are headquartered up in that area. And I think that's where CMON's largest operation in um, the U.S. is. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So a lot of games, like uh, I know Leader Games is up there, Fantasy or Fantasy Flight is up there. 
for whatever reason, Minneapolis, Minnesota is like the board game. Kind of a hub. Uh, okay, well, that makes Corporate headquarter sense. area in the United States. So that's why it's there. It's at the big game center or whatever it's called. Um, that actually used to be uh, owned by Fantasy Flight or may still be. Yeah. Um, and so I think it'd be a fun trip. And the thing that's a little tricky is like when our tournaments, it's just a one day. And so we play four games maybe five and so like you lose one game and like you could be you could go from literally from first place down to fourth or fifth <laughs> just from one place i lost my first game and sort of like was had to run back up through you know through like the losers bracket uh to get back yeah up to fourth but place. but at that it's a two to three day event so you're going to be playing a dozen games right and so it, it yeah. comes out a little bit more in the wash because the thing is there are going to be some factions you go up against where you are just you have a 70-80% chance to lose just because that's not your best forte to go matchup. But if you play enough games, that will kind of wash out. Yeah. right? And so, yeah, we'll see. John said he'd be, you'd be willing to go with us. Yeah. As long as I can uh, find it in the budget yeah, you so. know, to travel when I'm not playing, I would yeah. gladly come and just hang out well, if that's hey, accepted. There's, uh, there's, I don't know if it's going to be a qualifying event, but there's one in Chattanooga sometime soon. So if you can go down there and yoink a qualification from them... <laughs> I don't know yeah. The thing is, because we'll if people see. are playing in the tournament and they've already qualified, it would pass down to the next person. So I need you two to come in, Matthew, take out need, all the good players. Yeah, 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 we yeah, can there all go. Down there. We'll, exactly. we'll just be we'll be a, an assassination attempt. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, a but all of this talk about uh, tournaments got us thinking in a competitive mindset. So we'll, we'll catch up on some recent plays first, but we will be talking a little bit about some games that we would enjoy playing more competitively that are more related to the board game sphere versus. Um, you know, miniatures games. But before we do that, um, we've gotten a good amount of games played since we've last yeah. recorded. Um, I think we've gone about two weeks since our last episode. So a we've few taken more, a trip together. A few more games. We did yeah. get to take a, a trip for just kind of a fun getaway. It was my wife's birthday as well. So spent a lot of time at the lake, spent a lot of time playing pickleball, which we might be starting a podcast on as well. Uh, Brady's <laughs> done his fair amount of research. All you have to do is buy the most expensive paddle for 250 bucks. You're, you're a pro. Yeah, yeah. So but, I have to do right. Um, some of the recent plays, I guess I can I can get started here uh, that we've gotten in some newer games. Um, Jacob has introduced a game called Samurai uh, to us. This is an old game by Reiner Knizia. I think you said it came out like nineteen ninety something. Ninety eight. Right? Ninety eight. So um, very Reiner Knizia kind of like tile laying. It's similar to Babylonia, is what I've been told by Jacob. Right. Um, but the general idea of this game is you are and I'm forgetting the word, but uh, basically you have a. Um, you could almost, what's the word I'm thinking of, Matthew? Like uh, your family that is of prominence and you're trying to control the most. Um, you're looking at me like weird. Dynasty? Yes, yeah. that's the word I'm looking okay. for. Anyways, Matthew is giving me the 100 yard stare. Um, you're like a dynasty. <laughs> a you're daimyo. trying to control. Or it's daimyo. Daimyo, thank you. Jacob explained it really well thematically. So Jacob, A plus when teaching this game. The leaders of our house. It's a tiling game where you are fighting to have the majority of one of three um, kind of types of cast i think they called them so there's the religious the uh military and then um i think there was like an educational or agriculture um so these different uh, pieces are scattered all over the board and the game works pretty simply you have a pool of five tiles that you draw from each tile um gives you a certain strength of one of those types of uh, resources and when you enclose a piece on the board you check to see who has the highest value of that specific piece um, so you start with like a two, three, and a four of each of those three casts. So if you had five agriculture and Matthew had four, you would then claim that piece and put it behind your screen. Um, the rub is at the end of the game, 
there's a scoring for each of those three and whoever has the most of each one gets a point. But if there's a tiebreaker, the tiebreaker is, or if there's a tie, the breaker is whoever has the most of the other two. So it's a game where you want to specialize, but you also need to make sure you're trying to win some of the other pieces. Um, and this is my second time playing it. We played both at four players. Um, and I found it was a very simple but elegant game, like a lot of uh, Reiner's games are, in the sense that everyone's playing with the same amount of tiles. But since you're kind of blind drawing them, you get different tiles at different times, which affects the strategy and how it plays on the board. It's very slow at the start, I feel like. And you like. may have mentioned this, but everyone has the same tiles. Yes. But but we all have it our own individual pool. Right. right. So everyone has the same tiles, but Matthew may have his best tiles at the very beginning, all his fours, et cetera, which kind of like when we play Blitzkrieg right. or some of those kind of two player dual games might, might be an advantage, might be a disadvantage because really towards the end of the game, every tile you're placing out is triggering one of these kind of checks on the board where at the beginning it takes a while to close one of those um, areas up yourself. So there's some advanced modes where you can both set up the whole board uh, on purpose. We just kind of randomly set things out, but also you can pick which five starting tiles you want out of all of your tiles and then randomize the rest. So um, I thought it was a pretty good game. I think you could get this play time down to 30, 45 minutes um, pretty easily. Yeah, it's um, rated 30 to 60. I don't think it was like a heavy, heavy hitter. Uh, it's not one that I'm like hankering to just get back on the table, but um, it was a pretty, you know, classic Reiner uh, game, I thought, but interested in your two thoughts on. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. And I would say this is a game of dualities. Um, you both want to, it, it's a mixture of a race, and also letting other people do just enough for you to benefit. And what yeah. I mean by that is you want to early on try to, it's all about posturing, right? You want to place your your hex tile adjacent to one of these pieces you want to go after, right? Um, but you don't want to spend all of your actions completely enclosing it yourself because that just means those are actions and resources you're not putting towards other things, right? And so it's it's putting your presence out there, but also kind of balancing and kind of kind of uh, feeding off what other people are doing. Kind of, of you know when they start putting their tiles around, okay, maybe I need to focus again because you want people to help you enclose, but you want to make sure you're the one who has the most influence when it closes. And so there's kind of that race tension going after what you want, but then also feeding off what yep. other people are doing to your benefit. Because like an example, there was a region. Jake was in, he had like five or, or so pieces set in there, uh, but they were low valued pieces. And so I, on one of my turns, I had a, uh, a bonus action. So I could, in, I lay a tile and then lay another tile right after. And so I was able to lay, lay two tiles that were stronger, close off two different of those totems and, and score those. So I only used two tiles. Yeah. He has spent f like four or five and, and several actions. And so that's kind of the push pull. And then also like with the scoring, you want to be just diversified enough, um, but you can't, you, you're not even in contention to win if you didn't have the most of one of the three. So one player automatically is not going to have a chance to yep. win, uh, which is, it's it's not like well, they're out, they're not playing the game. This is all just at the end game scoring. So first you look at who has the most of each set and then of those, then who had the most of the remaining sets. And so I think there's a great, I felt like there was constant tension, right? You wanted to try to do your own thing, but you didn't want your, the things you spent resources in then to get stolen from you at the same time. I thought it was really great. The one thing, um, that's different from Babylonia is that in Babylonia, whenever you close something off, everything in your network attached to it counts towards it. Yeah. Whereas in this one, it's only things directly adjacent. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought the game was going to be originally. Like you were creating these like branching networks, yeah. which probably get too out of control. Uh, but I thought it was really, I thought it was really great. I think it, I mean, still fits in the same family vibes of Babylonia, Blue mm -hmm. Lagoon. Um, but I thought it was really great. 
Um, and for being an older game, I thought the production was still really solid. And I think the gameplay could go up strategy wise if we did more intentional setup yeah. to position ourselves. And and one thing I failed to mention that I think is one of the key points of adding some pressure. You have a few tiles. Uh, they're called fast tiles that you can play. Usually, you're only placing one tile per turn. Um, but there are a few tiles that let you play multiple on one turn. And those really add to a depth of strategy. Yeah, of Being able to close something off, you have one that can be placed on the land and then three that can be placed on the water. But it lets you kind of manipulate things a little bit. But um, it's very much timing in this game. I think it's when you make your move to close something out, is it worth spending this over here knowing that it's going to stay there pretty much for the rest of the game? But, Brady, do you have any thoughts on And there's that? also, real quick, there's also a special ability to where you can, there's a Swap. tile that swaps. So there's essentially a wild tile. They're called samurai tiles, mm -hmm. uh, range from one to three. And so you you could swap your three wild completely across the board. So mm -hmm. there's always that worry. Yep. To me, that's what the game, I loved it because I was constantly worrying yep. during the game. Yeah. I feel a little bit differently. So I think in a vacuum where I haven't played a lot of other Reiner Knizia games, I would say I think this is solid. But I think when I compare it to yeah. the other Reiner Knizia games, I don't think it's as good as like Babylonia sure. or even Blue Lagoon. And I think one of the reasons why I feel that way is I, we played it at four. Mm-hmm. And to me, four felt a little chaotic okay. Um, because, you know, there are four copies out there of each of those kind of like, you know, what I, I might call like overpowered sure, you know, sure. bonus tiles um, that can like swap things. And those are huge. And I think in a two player game and, and maybe in a three player game, kind of knowing that those are out there and, and how they can be used can be a little more strategic in sure. a four-player game. I felt like I had control over nothing because so much could happen before like it gets back exactly. to your turn. The yeah. community yeah. says it's best at three, and I can yeah. I can definitely see that. I I feel like this is more tactical than a Babylonia because, like I said, in Babylonia, all of your tiles are interconnected, and so people aren't as worried about like triggering things because everyone gets a little piece of the pie, right? When yeah. things yeah. trigger, and in Samurai, it's 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 all or nothing, right? And so you'll I love that tension of you know, oh, I, I put some, I spent some really good resources on my tiles and put it next to a totem. Yeah. There's three spaces around it. I don't have to worry about it right now. But then, like, well, no, yeah, yeah. very re even in a yeah. three player game, it could be taken. So to me, I love that. I've felt constant tension. Which and yep. thing, things like you can be doing like a very long term strategy, but with those like swap tiles and, and a few other of the things, people can just be very sneaky, very fast. Yeah. I love and, that though. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. I mean, if you <laughs> are unfortunate enough to get caught, because nobody like really tries to target a, a player no, individually. Sure. But if you're sort of unfortunate enough to get caught up in a few of those, then you've kind of just lost the game, and to like no real fault of your own. Yeah. So that's what I was saying in a in a three player game, the most that could ever happen is two, right? Yeah. But in it, the whole, you very rarely are you ever just all of your resources are focused around one or two pieces on the board. Like we were spreading out pretty good. So sure. even if that happened, they're giving up position somewhere else. And, potentially. and the thing is somebody can use one of their fast tiles earlier on to try to claim something. Like I use mine pretty early on in this game to just secure a piece. I was like, well, I think the best this is going to do for me is at least guarantee I can get a one for one with this piece. So I did that early. But the thing about it being open information in that sense of, well, you've used your one tile is as the game goes on, you, you, 
are able to strategize a little bit more of knowing, all right, well, Brady still has the ability to do this and he's going after this type. So he could yoink me if I try to go after it or compete with him too. I would agree lower player count would probably be better. Yeah. And um, it's also to note, there are also, there are two actual swap abilities. There's one where yep. you can swap your tiles and then there's one uh, ability that lets you swap, lets swap totems, yep. right? So there was a position where yeah. Brady was beating me. I think it was agriculture. You had two agriculture tiles around it. I had like a priest that was also touching another uh, kind of priest totem. And I'm like, man, if Brady comes in here, I could lose both of these things potentially if he played the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, sw- I switched them out and then played it and closed it off and took both of them instead. And so I don't, yeah. I like that kind of like, well, what if this? And like, I was constantly weighing the risk reward. Yeah, and for I me, think- I think in any game that makes me do that, like, I'm not saying this is the best game ever, sure, but sure. it was it was yeah. making me think and feel the things that I like to feel in games. Yeah, it's just hard not to compare it. Like with Blue Lagoon, I feel like there there to me in Blue Lagoon, there's still so much tension in that game. Yeah, you can but there's no place. trickery. Yeah, but there's people can't really like. I mean, they can't do anything on you super fast. It's like more predictable. If, if someone yeah. is kind of coming after you, you can, you know, more or less like weigh things out and. There, there's not as many like gotcha moments. In, yeah, uh, I feel Blue like in, in Blue Lagoon, I'm not in Babylon, fighting against three other people for the same thing. I feel like the the map in this, you were pretty much involved with every other player. So there could be a scenario where you go somewhere and then by the time it gets back to you, yeah, everyone else like, has already worked together. Whereas in Blue Lagoon, it's like, like you're looking yeah. at Brady being like, Brady, don't you move that piece one closer because we're the only yeah. two that are going, mm-hmm. I can yeah. do that. Because um, in Blue Lagoon, I can I can look and I can calculate. I know that I have three turns of safety because it's physically impossible for them to get to my spot. Sure. Right. And um, I prefer that. Yeah. Sure. And, and uh, yeah, that's just a different style. Um, yeah, I think I enjoy that kind of, tension a little bit more in in samurai i think yeah. i, I think i would have to give samurai another play at three or even two because yeah. i don't you're never when you're playing the you're not you're never too. targeting somebody you're just like i'm just trying to survive right i'm never oh i was targeting jacob absolutely oh you were i my mind is like i wasn't even focused on taking a specific piece maybe in a lower player count game you could but i wasn't even focused on taking something from someone i was just trying to get as most, most of the things I needed, like survival mode, mm-hmm. right? And so I never felt like I was targeting or being purposely targeted. People were just survival of the fittest out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about wanting to have a full episode dedicated to uh, the Ryan, good Yeah, we're going to have David on. And uh, we played, a, especially with David, we've we played a large amount of his well-known collection. collection. Yeah. So um, keep an eye on that. That should hopefully be coming sometime soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was Samurai by Reiner Knizia. Um Matthew, what about you? What did you? What have you played recently? Well, we always say that Jacob loves to bring these board games that he kickstarted a year or two ago, never mentions, never says a thing about it, and then just plops on, oh, hey, guys, I got this got this game on Kickstarter. Surprise. And he just, we just, just complete surprise. He never, he never told us when he kicked it, kickstarted it, because we're always like, hey, I'm looking to get this game. We're kickstarting oh, yeah. it. We're all anticipating, and then it's just like, surprise. Um, and so he, he struck again. Um, and this time it is a deck building dueler now we've been playing a lot more of these here recently and i think we've really been enjoying them i really enjoyed the star wars deck building game i thought that had a really good you know quick play a thematic something that brought the deck building experience a little bit different obviously we've talked about eternal chronicles of the throne we enjoy a lot i still really enjoy radlands now that especially now that we got the uh, the, the rule correct on your resource <laughs> management ready you need to give it another shot 
<laughs> have a little bit more enjoyable time. Uh, Before Glory is a deck builder dueler that is set in um, kind of the Roman Colosseums where gladiators are fighting. Um, and so it's a very simple premise of how most deck builders work is you start with the hand, you know, you've got some coins, the dockery or whatever they're called. Um, Drockum. Drockum. You have your coins and you just have those kind of basic starting hands, similar to like a Dominion. It felt yep. a very Dominion vibe mm-hmm. with your starting hand. Um and how the gameplay works is that there is a market phase where you're buying cards, adding them to your deck, and then there is a battle phase. Um, and there's three main types of cards there. I would say there's economy cards, which help you gain resources. Um, there are gladiator cards, which are when you when you draw them into your hand, you play them into an arena. These gladiators will essentially have the strength val- attack value, defense value, and a speed or essentially an initiative because if they go f- if they have a higher speed initiative then they would go first when they're attacking and then the third type of card is like a strategy tactics ability card which these are things that you can play um, when your gladiators are battling in an arena my gladiator attacks i can play a response card if your gladiator attacks me i can play a response card it's like a tactics and so i think that that part of the game really added kind of a a different kind of twist to deck building because it was those cards aren't helping you build a better deck they're not helping you gain more resources like many deck builders do but they're helping you actually win a combat game mm-hmm. to the side and, and so how it works is that every gladiator has kind of like a, a strength value attached to it like one to five or six and at the, in each round if the total amount of gladiators played into the battle arena which there are three cards um that are separating you and your opponent. You play the card to your side in one of those three arenas. Uh, whenever the total value of gladiators it meets that number, then we switch from the market phase to the fighting phase. So the first round, it may be 12, then it goes to 16, then it goes to like 20, and then 24. So it allows you to get stronger gladiators as you go. Um, and what it, this this car game has a really interesting mechanic because we've talked about um, you know deck builders where we enjoy like holding a card. Because sometimes we get a really great card, but it's just not available to use then. Right, and so you're like, oh, we just had to discard it. I know in in some games we've house roll where like you're allowed to hold one card in your hand, sure, as kind of a reserve and then draw it up. Where for glory has it built into the rules and mechanics and on your player board, which is a nice little player aid, you can play a card like that, like those strategies, those stratagem cards mm-hmm. on the right side of your player board, face down, and those will be available for you later. But you're gonna have to pay for them. Yeah. And it, I it, that costs, was a great it costs one yeah, coin. Really, yeah. there, you know, you have money in the game. Uh, it costs one coin per card. But the trick is, it's either all or nothing. You either have to buy all the cards, or you can't buy any of the cards, right? And so, obviously, you had to pay the cards in your hand. But it's like, do I? I just don't want to lose out because that'd be a really bad feeling. Is sure. like you had all these great cards, great strategy, but you just never had a chance to get them. And there's gonna be times where you don't get the right cards you need. That's just any deck builder calling your decks. But I think it was a fantastic mechanic of. Here are these cards that are good. You used them. You cycled through your deck. You can reserve them, but you will have to pay a cost. And so there, there was actual like money management because you have to you have to pay for those. The same way as um, they had the same mechanic kind of with the gladiators. And so, you know, like I said, whenever the gladiators' total strength, let's say, meets twelve mm-hmm. combined from my side and my opponent's side, we go to fight. But the thing is, it is possible for your opponent to have had all. 12 of the, he played three gladiators equaling 12 strength and you had none on your side. We're like, well, then you just lose the game, right? Not quite. Because um, on your turn, when you go into the battle phase, everyone draws up a new hand. 
And if you have gladiators in your hand that you drew, you can pay for them to go and fight if you didn't cycle them during the market phase. And so I felt like those two mechanics in the game really allowed some flexibility because you could get absolutely hosed with bad draws because like, Mm -hmm. hey, he has a gladiator in the arena. I have none. He automatically wins it. Um, And then the last thing is that um, each of these arenas are worth different victory points. There's two minor arenas that are always in play. Uh, They have a special ability on Mm -hmm. them. Essentially, who wins that arena, you have that ability going into the next round. And they're worth one point apiece if you win them. Then there's a major arena that's worth two points. Um, And that is going to be an ongoing passive ability um, that you take on to your side that you can essentially tap during future combats to give you a little buff, like damage mitigation or things like that, or or at a free one-point damage. Little different mechanics like that. Um, There's some other things that that are in the game, you know, you have to have sponsor for your gladiators, but that's, that's kind of ancillary. Um, but I really felt the game allowed you to mitigate luck enough to where it was still important to build your deck efficiently, yeah. but you're not getting hosed by it either. Bad if you draws. plan, um, and in the stratagem cards really when Jacob and I, I only played it once with Jacob one V one. Um, I really felt like we were kind of dueling because it's like, do I go after this gladiator and kill him in one shot? If you do that, well then he can't attack you back. Or do I play, uh, a card on this other gladiator and kind of affect their ability. And so there was really kind of a lot of posturing kind of going back and yeah. forth. Um, so I only played it at one player. Y'all played at three. Y'all can give your experience, but I, I really enjoyed it. I think it had just enough twists on a deck builder dueling. It was a dueling deck builder. Uh, the theme, I love that theme, the whole setting, the production is great. The metal coins, they had these kind of cast iron, like helmets for player player initiative, right? Um, the little swords as well to let you know if you had those minor powers you could spend mm-hmm. on. So the production was really great. Um, I I really one the only negative thing is I hate when games use that kind of like classic Greek or Roman kind of font that like blocky triangle font for like oh my gosh, English that's words. Being very specific. So there <laughs> that's are my couple, negative, but that's that's my thoughts. You all played it at three. Of things that I liked about the game. Number one, so for deck builders, they kind of like are are notorious for like having this very slow ramp up time. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was a little bit different because you started with a hand of seven cards instead mm-hmm. of just five. And uh, I feel like the money was like just flowing right from the beginning. You were able Agreed. to go forward, like, but it felt fun. A though. lot of stuff, and so you were able to kind of like jump into the action immediately and and feel like you're, you know, building up very fast. Yeah. Uh, so I like that about it. We played it. I, I really, I, I don't know what the deal is at two because it, it or yeah at two because it appears to be different. Yes. What you described. The arena is structure not, is a little different. Think we, Airland and Sea with the arenas where you play two one yes, of three arenas. Airland and Sea yeah. is a great with a, with a three player game or four. You have a singular arena, which very oh. much changes the strategy. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, three players just like automatically, sadly, in my opinion, makes it like a king-making game. Because it's all like, or nothing, one person wins. All or, yeah, all or nothing, it, one person wins. And you play over three... Combats. ...eras. So you have one combat, um, and then, and at least how it worked, how it ended up working in, in ours, is the if you win the first combat, the, the winner gets two special ability cards. The second person got one, and then the third person got nothing. Um... And then the second round, it was almost like the reverse of that. So um, by the third round, we all ended up having two of each. So I got second both times. Jacob won the first, you won the second, but I won the third arena. Because you naturally, 
you know, want to target the two, the two players who lost naturally want to target the person who won the first round. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then on the last round, you could, you sort of just get forced into this. Okay. Well, if I attack you, then you win. If I attack you, then the other person wins. Yeah. I don't like, uh, there is, there is a four player game. I I don't, I don't think it would be, maybe if you were playing like a two V two type thing, there's no official two V two, but I was kind of talking to Jacob. Would it be possible to do a two V two? I could see a two V two working three players. eh, I just think, and and I'm sure you can make a two V two work, but I just think the game is better. One V one, two V two. I'd rather play air, land and sea critters at war. And you can make the game a, longer like you can add an extra round or two to even ramp up more in 1v1 potentially um if you wanted to i will say too like when your gladiators die in the combat they're not lost they come back and go to your discard and you get money you get a one coin so it gives you a little bit of a a boost right um Uh, going to the next round i thought it was unique i don't think the game is as balanced as and maybe this is more in a multiplayer but in 1v1 when i first played with jacob um i had a terrible time because i felt like he got this more overpowered card and just crushed me um, but we also didn't like, I didn't engage in a lot of the tactics or other things like that. So I think there's some depth. I think it'd be yeah. a lot more fun. One yeah. V one. We played with a, he's got some modules for it too. We got to play with a fun module. It was like a, a champion module. Yes. So every time, uh, everyone got kind of like a unique starter, uh, hero, you could call it. And every time it was in your hand, you could choose like a to Pokemon. right either play it out to the battlefield, or you could discard it and pay money to basically upgrade it to a new version. So there were like five stages and they all had some pretty unique and cool abilities. So I like yeah, that, that kind of added fun. some more uniqueness. Otherwise yeah, everyone's starter deck is, is the same, but, um, so I will agree with you, John, that the cards you're talking about never entered our game and it felt pretty tight through the game. Like, yeah, the battles. <laughs> what is this card so there was a, there's so, a, so how, so, yeah, yeah. So I'm, you want to explain it? Yeah, I got, yeah. cause I got hosed by it. So I'm going to explain it well. Um, so in the game, some of your gladiators require a sponsorship by a, uh, Senator or whatever there may oh, yeah. be basically to, to sort of, sort of keep those powerful ones in check. Right. right. So your gladiator might have a one or two sponsor requirement and you have been playing these sponsor cards to the left of your kind of player board. So mm-hmm. I may have three sponsors that are yeah. giving me three it's sponsor almost, it's points. It's almost like mana for your... Right. Yeah. Your if I ever were to lose a sponsor, I have to discard down gladiators equal to make sure right. I which is am like at the same level. Essentially, which your ca- is instant, capacity. Yeah. Right. Some gladiators don't so, have sponsors, but it's like a capacity. Right. For so all ones. the good ones that you buy off of the market, your starter two don't. But what happened in this game is if you ever exhaust a card, which is their way of tapping, you effectively treat it as blank. So if you were to exhaust a senator to use an ability on the card, he would no longer be offering that sponsorship to use in your pool. Meaning that if you ever activated an ability willingly, that made you drop below your current capacity, you would have to discard that gladiator. So unless one of your gladiators had already died. Right. Then Correct. No Later dead. in the combat. Yep. But mm-hmm. there's a card and it only costs four money, which is the crazy part. Is it, it another gladiator or a tactic? It is card. a gladiator. Yeah. An expensive and then gladiator would cost like eight. Eight, uh, nine, or ten. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And it's got like it's got a three 13. initiative value, so it helps you go Fast. first. So there's another thing at the start of the round, you add up an initiative value. And whenever it attacks, you get to exhaust target patron from somebody's active pool. So effectively a one cost four, you know, a one or a four cost card on the very first turn, because you're most likely going first gets to do a two for one exchange effectively where they exhaust, they target a Senator exhausted. And then that player then would also have to discard any additional gladiator. So every round I was fighting Jacob, 
he had that card out every round. His first attack was with that guy exhausted a patron. And then I had to lose a gladiator. One time I had to lose two because I had a double guy. And it's just like, there's no counterplay to it outside of going with so many patrons that you were being inefficient. So that one exactly. is one that seems a little imbalanced mainly because the cost is so low. Um, he picked it up on the and first it turn. it has so much initiative. And it has an initiative. But now it's a weak, it's a weak gladiator, right? You can kill it, but the whole premise is it's going first and it's taking out your heavy hitter. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is there, you get two of them potentially in the game. There, and we agree, yeah. Jacob and I both, we played the game without it and he, we, and I looked at the card afterwards and we're like, there is no counterplay to it. But it also was like the only card in the game that ever forced your opponent to have to do something like that. Sure. And it was so cheap. There were some tactics cards that would, I think, I mean, this is splitting hairs on an imbalance of a card on, I know, think he agreed to you probably just take those one or two cards but, out. Yeah. I think in a one V one, it was devastating. It was oh. absolutely devastating. And it made my first experience of the game just pretty terrible. Cause every combat I had my gladiators. So I was like, Oh, I have this strategy. I have this one. When he exhausts, he helps prevent damage. First turn. Jacob's like, boom. All right. And then I had to discard him. And, and you, you can't come back from bad. it. But There's, overall fun yeah. game. So I, I think definitely if you enjoy the deck building dueler, definitely give this one a shot. I don't know how easy it is, how accessible it is because yeah. it did just seems like start it, a release, it, but it, it's like uh, Dominion and Magic: The Gathering kind of smashed together a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I'd agree with but that. I, I I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I agree, John. I think those cards on thirty five dollars on eBay right for now the full for the Kickstarter uh, all in Kickstarter all in deluxe. Look like it's going to retail. That's not like a horrible value or anything. I mean, it is. There's a, a lot of really stuff in well it. Done, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I, I would agree. I think Jacob would too. Those that one gladiator. I think there's there's two copies of it. Probably you don't want to play with those. And I just don't know how something like that gets past play testing because we noticed it first play. And like, how on earth does something like that make it through? You know, well maybe it was only because it was our first play. Yeah. You know, there you might could, be some counterplay. There, there could I, be I'm some counterplay. Thinking of one in my head, but uh, oh. we won't go into. <laughs> yeah, don't, direct, don't give you away your direct strategy. damage yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, uh, so last game that we will mention, we got to play, and this, it's been a while. We, this yeah. is going to be a catch up episode a little bit and we still have some other games, uh, is heat pedal to the metal. Matthew's the been getting hotness. onto my case ever since not. we were at PAX and we saw an entire wall, like a six foot wall, six by 10 foot wall with probably three or four dozen copies of this game. And like you a, said, Brady, you need to pull your weight. Brady, you haven't bought it. Buy this, buy a copy of this game. Brady was buying Pokemon cards. Yeah, buying Pokemon cards. He's like, ah, no, be the gun later. You got a foil uh, magician, dark magician, right? Yeah. Uh, but after but after packs, this game was unavailable anywhere. You had to pay an absurd amount of money for it. I was like, Brady, we could have bought a bunch of this here at PAX. Yeah. We could have even sold it and had some. But my friend Alex from Chattanooga came up. Uh, had a copy. Memorial Day weekend. A couple, yeah, a couple of weekends ago at this point. Um, and brought a few different games. He brought uh, Merchants of the Dark Road, which I got a chance to play. Um, but we're going to talk about Pedal to the Metal uh, today. And uh, so the the main difference here, because I've played a lot of racing games, but the main mechanic is that you are more or less like betting on the race mm-hmm. rather than racing yourself. Um, so the that's kind of the big kicker with Pedal to the Metal is you you are the driver racing yourself. No, sure. wait, it's not... It's not who ends up with the most money at the end of the game or whatever. It's uh, who crosses, it's who that crosses finish the finish line first, which is like, you know, well, who goes the furthest at the round yeah. at which someone crosses the finish line. But yes. Yeah. And uh, I would say um, like at the beginning, it felt like um, and if you haven't seen sort of the components of this, maybe you can look them up. But it like the the map initially doesn't look like anything special. Like I, I could have. I don't know anything about racing. I could have drawn that map. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I think was it you, John, who took like a massive lead in the very beginning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm sitting there thinking like, oh well, this game is over, over. on like the second round because John is like by far way ahead of us. Um, but like the sort of nature of the game where you you go around these curves and very thematically have to slow, slow down, down, quote unquote, going around the curves just like naturally gave your opponents the the opportunity to like catch up to you. Um, and so even though very early on, he had a huge lead by the end of it. Um, I think John still ended up winning, but I won by a fair amount on the last turn, like eight or nine spaces, but it was close on that curve. Yeah. There was like one curve that got kind of hairy where mm-hmm. we were all in, the, but we were all in it trying to get through it. Um, and and it ended up being a very close game. And so uh, a few of the key components of this is you are you are playing these sort of speed cards or these movement cards mm-hmm. um, and shifting shifting gears. So if you're in a higher gear, you're able to play more of those, uh, which you know lets you go faster. Um, but if you're in a lower gear, you can play less of them, mm-hmm. and that lets you go slower. And the, the, the key to this um, and why you wouldn't just want to go super fast the whole time is it, when you're going around a corner, you can if you go too fast, you can essentially like burn out or you know spin out, spin yep. out or whatever. Um, and so you kind of want to, you know, on these longer straightaways, you want to be able, you want to be able to ratchet up mm-hmm. to that high gear so you can go fast. But then when you get to those turns, you want to be able to to go down um, to take those turns more slowly. And so part of the game is managing the heat yeah. within your deck. And he kind of plays out as like a, a dead card that you yeah. can't use. Um, and uh, honestly, the game was fairly elegant for uh, what I thought. I think there is uh, some sort of an expansion where you yep. can kind of customize like your card, cards and stuff, which yeah. we didn't play with on the first round. It sounds interesting, you know. Obviously, adds maybe a little more complexity. Um, I think it'd be. I think it it would definitely be worth it because the the base game. Feels very base, not yeah. not not necessarily in a bad way. Um, it does, feels very elegant, um, but I I could see the idea sort of like um, Mario Kart, where you're sort of like adding your own wheels to it, yeah. or like a fender that helps you in some way. Um, could really help uh, like with the replayability of the game. Yeah. yeah. See, the only the the main racing game that I've played has been Downforce and for what the game is I actually I absolutely love Downforce because it has the whole auction mechanic at the beginning of the game to get your cards that you want those boost cards Uh, and then during the game when you're playing these kind of speed or movement cards there are multiple colored cards with different values on the cards you're playing and so it's it's that constant tension of I play this card to help myself but how is it helping my opponent and can I get cut off as well as there's the betting mechanic um, as well um, about who gets first, second, or whatever, and scoring money off of those. Um, and the version we played there at the Dice Tower actually had the cars replaced with, like, Mario Kart little miniatures yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And so I, I enjoyed that auction, the bidding, and that kind of predicting. So to me, it was like that more advanced kind of camel-up type game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought it was good. I was shocked to find that the MSRP on this game is, like, $80. Shoot. And yeah, maybe because yeah. we didn't play with a lot. Of, like we played base, base, and there's some extra maps. I thought it was a fun game, but to me, it felt more like a game similar to Downforce that I would find it. You know, Target should cost no more than fifty dollars. But like, um, retail price. I really liked to Brady's point. I think elegance a great word. 
it was just very thematic in the sense of like you could only shift up a certain amount of gears and whatever gear you're in were the amount of cards you had to play. So managing that was kind of thematic. You could imagine yourself, all right, I need to slam it down a gear as I'm turning around and then I want to throttle it up into fourth gear to go take this straight away. And um, I did think it was fairly balanced. And I think it works well not having any sort of betting mechanism because in games like Downforce or Camel Up, et cetera, I feel like you're not always in full charge of the movement of your cars. Even in a game like Downforce where you own a car and maybe you want to win, other players' cards are moving yours. Whereas in this game, there's nothing that your opponents are doing that is going to actually physically move your car. Yeah, yeah. There's benefits from being nearby or behind with this kind of slipstream mechanic, but it works well as a pure racing game without any kind of betting because everyone starts at the same point in the sense of their deck and everyone has full control over how they maneuver and move their car. So from a pure racing game standpoint, I think it's pretty spot on. Um, and I, I definitely enjoyed the play again. I, I don't, I might, I think it's a little overpriced, uh, maybe a little overhyped. It was a good game, but it didn't yeah, you know, I think blow it my mind. Definitely overhyped. Um, solid, but solid. Not, like, yeah. And, mind blowing. and I think this would be a game you could teach to, you know, non gamery friends. Um, I wouldn't quite call it family weight. Cause if someone's going to do well, there's some mechanics you have to understand with yep. hand there's management def- and stuff, little, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, I guess there's not really deck building, but yeah, hand management yeah. is kind of a but thing. Anyways, Heat was uh, was a good one. We enjoyed it. Very good. All right. Are we, I do want to give a highlight. We played it a fantastic game of Brass. We did. Oh, Brass. Why is, do we talk about any other game? Can we just, Other than Brass. Can we just make it the Brass podcast? Oh, man. That it's game so makes Brady forgot so about things. overbuilding again. We all did, not yeah. Brady. Yeah, everyone. Well, I don't overbuild room. That's my strategy. Well, the non, no, but, the non-overbuild but strategy. It gives you mm-hmm. so much value, and I can't yeah. believe we got to the end of this game where we're like, oh, man, there's no iron anywhere on the board, yeah. or there's none of this, and it's like, oh, yeah, you can always overbuild your own buildings yeah. for these yeah. types, and it's like, man, because also, like, Jacob was starting to go the pottery route, but when you realize you could overbuild the ones that only give you like one point for the ones that give you like 22, you don't need to find a new location. That's huge. Game changing. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. This game is just so good. And we got into a game with Terra Mystica that I pulled out with those oh, witches. Terra oh. Mystica was great. It featured the classic of Matthew complaining that he was going to lose only to score 50 something points in the last round. I'm going to have to message these fan faction creators. Ask them I, about I'm not a FAQ. big fan of the fan factions. I think honestly. they're fun. Like, to me, they just they cast all off. They just seem too. They seem so wild, <laughs> and I and I know you guys have, but it, it is. It's hard not to question their their balance. balance. Yeah. I think they, that's, the I last think that's the so, last yeah. balance chain ha- change for those have been a while, and they still have not. Uh, it was December of last year. Yeah, which it's been six, seven months now. Yeah, so, but I mean, there's no balance changes on the base factions. I know, but I'm saying there's yeah, they, they've been, gone right? through. I mean, since then. Because yeah, yeah. there's been a lot of uh, review. I mean, those things were in the works for yeah. since 2021. And I think maybe, Capstone has, has mentioned because they now have the publishers for all the Terra Mystica Guy Project Universe that they were going are supposed to be going to release official like the final official yeah. versions of these factions with their player boards. That'd be fun. And I'd assume there may be some adjustments on them. I'll get Age of Innovation. That looks like a great time. I know you keep hating on it, but it's it adds a lot between Gaia Project and Terra Mystica kind of mixing together the the yeah, I, research track in um Terra Mystica or in Gaia Project with a lot of the more core mechanics of less spatial as a guy yeah. project, more like Terra Mystica. And need some of the factions have some customization as well. I, I, I have a play guy project. Oh, it's great. Next, that game so. hates me. 
No, it doesn't. Uh, one John. of my one of my least favorite gaming memories is in that game, Brady. Really? I'm sorry, my my memory isn't very good, John. Yeah, but uh, anyways, Terramisk is another classic. We got yeah. To your point, Brady, we have a, a lot of games that we played recently. Yeah. Um, it's just a good time to be a board gamer, man. Speaking but, of uh, great times, we are we are in tourney. It's not it's tournament. It's tournament season. Um, and so we were thinking, you know, what are some games that uh, more traditional board games that we may enjoy seeing in a more um, competitive tournament type setting? Um, now, I want to ask you all, what are we including in this? Because there are some Everything. there are some games here that have Spirit a Island. that have a minor tournament scene like Dune Imperium. There's there's a tournament scene, Taking but it's very it's very small. Right, but I can at least point to say some some kind of tournament form competitive I think scene. The idea the was Unmatched has a what. If if you could pick a board game in your collection that you would go to, a, if you heard coming to Johnson City, we've got a tournament Blank. for this game. What are maybe two or three games that would make you go sign up and say, I want to play in oh. this tournament? Not saying what games are the ones that I will win, but what are ones you would want to play in a competitive space? And I think we want to, oh, you know, I'm, in a future so episode, discuss a little bit more about the current competitive landscape of board games within, you know, our hobby and what we would like to see more. But I, do I think, think this is more fun of like, what games do we, yeah. would, would get us off our couch without off, much, off of the PlayStation, too, you know, without diving in too hard. To I'll say real quick these. though, is, is I do think this is one space in the board game industry where it has a lot of room to potentially grow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, I can get, did Brady you have a, a caveat Brady? No, no. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead with a game that I know is already... Oh, you get to go first? Yeah, I'm going first, bro. <laughs> oh, get out of here. Um, and this is one, and it's interesting because BGA has a lot of quote-unquote tournaments um, that they run Online pretty regularly. Um, but one t- if, if I saw a tournament for this nearby, I would go to, and that would be the Castles of Burgundy. I think this game would be fun. I would want to do I've, like a... David a made it several one rounds one. deep. Tournament, but this is a game that I think uh, the playtime is low per game. If you if you are playing maybe less than an, under an hour for rounds, if you're thinking, I don't necessarily want to go to a tournament where I'm going to be playing, you know, a three hour Euro three games a day. Like Terra Mystica sounds miserable to try to play that in a tournament setting because by the end of yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Last, like great last round. Uh, but Castles of Burgundy, I think, is quick enough. And when you're playing one v one, the game's going to be different every time. You have to obviously think about what you're doing, but the way that the game's structured would make the rounds different and quick. And then you get the competitive aspect of trying to read what your opponent's going for and weighing the benefit of taking a tile to help yourself versus, you know, hate draft almost for them. I think it would be a very enjoyable game to play in a tournament and I would love to attend. I don't think I would win, but I'd have a good time. Have to be the special edition that's coming soon. It should be reaching, the, the ship should be reaching the US today. I checked the game found. Yeah. Um, so if we're, so if we're going by that logic, so as I mentioned before, unmatched has a very small, minor, unofficial competitive scene. <laughs> Almost right? as big as Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. It's not as big. No. <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire is supported by Simon. Um, anyway, I, my Barely. first one is going to go with unmatched, um, because I've already, we've, John, you and I have talked about some like uh, proposed, like, uh, competitive roles. Essentially the, the whole premise is uh, how a competitive scene of unmatched would work is, um, is it's kind of got that 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 kind of drafting because there's probably 25 30 different uh fighters in the game yep. and what you how you from my memory what you do is you essentially each player gets two one or two picks of not i don't want to play against right. that one kind of thing so it's kind of like like bands like bands in which some other competitive scenes do it 
Um, and so you, you each do that on each other. And it may be like the person you know you're playing against, and then you each will draft, do a draft of three total mm-hmm. fighters. Um, and then you will also do maybe a map band too, because there's some different maps of special abilities, and then you all will you will each kind of alternate maps that you pick. It's similar to some of the thing they do in Smash Smash Ultimate. Yeah. Um, they may have some maps that yep. each player bans or don't pick from mm-hmm. or pull. Um, and then essentially how it works is you may have three, three to four, um, and you randomly determine first player with that, and then you compete. Yep. But then in, if you win, you go into the second match, and you can't play the character that you won with. Sure. Type versus, and you, I think it may be best of three or best of five because uh, the games are pretty quick. Um, All right, man. But, so really quick, top two, top two people you'd take into a tournament? Uh, Sherlock Holmes. Medusa. No, no, not Medusa. <laughs> that seven damage card. If they played a defense card, what do you mean? I don't want to play that way. Um, I would do. <laughs> honestly, I haven't played him in a while. I would do uh, definitely Sherlock Holmes would be Houdini. You remember that game? Oh yeah. I laid Matthew out on the floor. Pat Who was it? Who was it? The genie. It was the Houdini. Genie, bro, I was playing the genie. You playing the genie? The Houdini. No, you were a, playing the genie. I was playing Houdini. Houdini. I, yeah. Ate your lunch. I was, I was, let's go with Houdini and uh, and uh, Sherlock Holmes. I haven't gotten the the Jurassic Park pack. I really want to get that with the T Rex. Yeah. That is so dope. You literally have a giant T Rex yeah. walking around the board. Yeah. Uh, they do have a couple new ones that they've released. Um, like the Teen Spirit yep, or some Marvel yep. ones. They do did Marvel for King and Country. That one looks dope. It's got Black Panther. It you has, said you want them to do obscure Marvel. Characters. I know, but I really and then like when those. When they came out with Squirrel Girl, you're like, I don't want to touch it. I know. I, I said I don't want them to do known. I like. I don't want them to do Marvel. I want like. Uh, I want them I gotcha. like characters from movies or from like history or from books. Like these mm-hmm. like bigger than life. Like do y'all remember that movie Tall Tales? Back no. in the day, like but Paul your Bunyan episode and, on the top unmatched box sets that they should release was one of my favorite episodes to listen to. Yeah. Anyways, unmatched is a great idea, Brady. What uh, what about you? Okay, so this is one. This is I'm kind of going out on a limb. Oh. For my first one, this isn't one that I, um, that I would go into myself, but this is one I would <laughs> bet on. Okay. Matthew. I put I put my life savings that I would on here. Uh, so essentially, what you're doing is you're be. taking a pick from me. I want to know what you would go to, Brady. No, nope. no, I'm He's not doing I, it. I'm, I'm not necessarily. I don't think you would pick face this one. on a shirt going to celebrate. Matthew okay. beating all these scrubs encrypted. That was, my, that was on my next pick, oh. Brady. It was. What do you? Oh. I didn't choose it first because I didn't think anyone else would. No. Wow. I think Cryptid is a very interesting game that That's would do good. very well in a tournament. Like, yeah. Because it is, you know, essentially. You like, don't come in with like win or lose. Yeah. You know, there's you no don't, points. You don't come in with a list you build. You literally kind of. It's almost kind of like it's chess. A very, very yeah. kind of uh, um, abstract type game. You just sit sure. down. I can and, just imagine though. Like, and mm. honestly. This is sort of like something I could see being like unfathomable. However, you say that word, I can't say it. Yeah. Um, where you know how people can like solve a Rubik's cube and like literally the record three was seconds. just broken three point three yeah, seconds. Three I think seconds. But they practice that, which is like I can't fathom how someone could do it that fast. You know, <laughs> like it would take me, you know, a week to research how to do it. <laughs> well, and if then, you how yeah. so the little premise on how they do that, there is a from my understanding, I think there's. It's, it's a random how it's set up, but there's like a set number of moves that someone, so they take like a regular solved Rubik's Cube and they will do a certain permutations. Yeah. yeah then yeah. they hide it for that. And so there are some parameters. You're not like doing 30 permutations or 50. Like there's some limitations they to move what they're doing. They pretty fast if you've yeah. ever watched yeah. those. But. I mean, three seconds is literally unbelievable. Uh, it's crazy. Like, I, I wouldn't believe it if I didn't watch the video. Yep. Anyways, 
But like I could see cryptid getting to that where you know they and that one <laughs> someone pleases one piece I've got it yeah and like they nail it well there the, like, and there's the advanced mode too which I would say would be the tournament yeah you'd have to play the advanced mode because yeah um, what's the advanced mode it's like so you could have your clue is the cryptid is on sand or water but then the advanced mode is everything's inverse your cryptid is not on sand or water no, mm. and it so it, it actually makes it significantly harder yeah um, my and brain could I think it. the only thing is that you would have to have You'd have to have some sort of a you have timer. Uh, well, yeah. you would have to have a, a timer for sure, like a um, a chest timer would mm-hmm. be great, five way chest timer. Um, but you'd also have to have a um, like some sort of a referee who does know where the spot is mm-hmm. and know all the things because if somebody misses something, yep. that would be it breaks the game. Be, the other thing is game. with the game of cryptid, doesn't it come with a subset? And this is you know there are people out here who would do this if there's money in it. It comes with like a certain amount of scenarios. Yes, but they're but they're similar the to like. Um, but I think you could Turing machine. You could similar to Turing machine, like and then the other game, the other game I've been wanting us to play. Um, Planet to X. Planet Search for Planet X. Planet X. There's like, as long as there wasn't a predetermined way that some kid out there could memorize four hundred unique things in them. Yeah. So yeah. you could but use at the same time. They would have to make a uh, like kind of com- computer yeah. randomizer because there's so many permutations that you can do. Yeah, yeah, like there's. It. I, there's probably nearly infinite possibilities sure. of the map. They'd have so. to make the clues a little different. Yeah, with it because the Anyways. thing is, there's only so many spots on the board, right? I, I mean, think I would love encrypted 2.0 even with, yeah. which we thought we were going to get something like yeah, that with yeah. the urban legends, which sounds so cool, but it's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, that's mine encrypted. All right, Next. I'd love to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Brady, that was that was, I was going to be my number one, but I just went with unmatched, and I was going to save it for later. Ah, dude, I'm going to snipe you. <sighs> I love it. Um. So my next one is going to be a game that I would absolutely lose at again, uh, but I would have a great time, and that would be Blood Rage. I would. Uh, Byron has played in Blood Rage tournaments before, and I know this is a game they actually do play, you know, competitively out there. There's tournaments for it, um, and I think this would just be a good, like it would be another game where your knowledge of the cards and what people could do would create such tense moments. And if everyone was actually trying and competing. Um, I know David likes to hate on Blood Rage because he thinks all the strategies have been you know, found out, et cetera. But I think the game is so different every time and the positioning is so valuable, right? It's There's not a lot of luck in the game in the sense that you can, you know, figure out what your opponents may have or what they might be going after and react that way, knowing what cards are in each of the three eras. Um, I think this would just be a solid, again, not a super long play time, very competitive Um game to play i don't know what player count would be best at probably four i don't know yeah. what you oh say. yeah yeah four player four it had to be a little wild no asgard expansion i've still not played with it but matthew hates on it so much that no uh, no no or brady hates on it that i don't think it's that good um anyways blood rage would be my next pick all right um this is a game on bga i played a lot so I guess competitive and i think i this game has been at some different um some kind of tournaments or like world series of games they've done um uh, this one I think has the game is simple enough, yet there's different variations on how you can go to victory, and it's all about playing off your opponents, and that is going to be Stone Age, which mm-hmm. y'all may think I'm crazy, insane in yeah, the, in the brain crazy. for saying that. You, um, this is a tournament for five year olds, correct? No, <laughs> no, and so that's what I'm saying. Like the game at its premise, when you teach in the game, it seems simple, right? But there are so many ways to optimize those engines and pair different. Focus on strategies together, going after resources and cards, um, and it's worker placement, right? Similar to you know how Dune has a tournament scene, so it's it's where my opponent's going. Where can I go first? How can I leverage that? 
and I've played it online a bunch, um, and I've really enjoyed it, and I've learned a lot of things in it because, like, we start playing. How are people getting these, like, hundreds and hundreds of points in their scoring? Um, and so if I saw that there was a Stone Age tournament, I would be in it in a heartbeat. I love the game, but I also think there is – that's the thing I love about games is simplicity of rules. It's a worker placement game, but here's, like, the next level of strategy thinking that you haven't thought about to, like, min-max all these things mm-hmm. in it. Listen, I, we need to bring out, we'll pull out Stone Age and I'll, I'll teach you a thing or two. Mm. All right, Brady. Mm. Uh, now, Brady, I want a, one for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Was, all right. And don't say X Wing or something like that. That yeah, already exists. Yeah, that, is, yeah, that are, doesn't, doesn't count. Um, I am going to go with, I'm, I'm torn on a, a couple of games here. Um, but, and this one is, sadly, it's also going to come with a little bit of a caveat, but we've talked about it before. But, I, I would love to do, and it's because I like the game so much, but it also just has, I think it would have a lot of interest in the tournament scene, hmm. and that is um, uh, City of the Big Shoulders. Oh. Um, oh, I don't know if your brain could handle <laughs> three or four of those games Imagine. in a row. I just, I think... It's an endurance, not a, a test of skill. <laughs> yeah, it, it, so it is a little long, and so I, I would say... Actually, so what I would say is we would need City of the Big Shoulders 2.0, sure. which was supposed to be in the works which at would some fix the point. Market, right? Yeah, the the market is horrible. It's been years in the works. Yeah, well, it's probably Dead. meaning yeah, it's probably not in the works. Um, and I, I want it to be so bad. The thing is, I feel like this is a good title for a capstone type publisher to pick up. Yeah, um, but I could see like even that initial draft of your starting. Um, Factions uh, or companies, companies being so, you know, crucial Tight. to the strategy. But the best part is, and I love this. Like, let's say someone draws, you know, what some people would consider like the overpowered um, mm-hmm. company. starting company. You can manipulate. You them. can invest in it, and you can, you know, right, if you, you think it's, it's a, if you think it's going to do well, then you invest in it. Um, yeah. And I think that would be such an interesting dynamic in a tournament, um, especially you know. A lot of times in a tournament, you're playing with a lot of people who you don't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. I think that adds a lot to the tournament scene, and so you know you're you're kind of basing a lot of your investments mm-hmm. in the game off you know purely more or less off of like the company and not necessarily how much you know about that player's skill sure. or whatever. Um, uh, so I and I know it's a super long game, so mm-hmm. that that's uh, and I, I think in in yeah. a tournament it would it would get kind of cracked down. Yeah, you need ibuprofens. You're gonna need hydration stations. I don't think so. I think John John is shaking his head. He would need them. Well, I have an IV. If if <laughs> if we're thinking about a tournament, bring a little bag along with me. You know, <laughs> if we're like thinking about a tournament, this hospital. guy is this thing is you know what they say in, in a fight. You know, even if you don't think you're the best fighter, if you act crazy enough. Even the best fighters may not fight with you because, like, this person's got nothing to lose. You yeah. see a man walk in with an ivy, ivy drip bag of uh, of electrolytes and stuff pumped into go. his veins. Like, I'm yeah. not leaving this table. Wow. I got uh, a diaper on and everything. You <laughs> I wasn't going to com- go there. But. Uh, so, you just completely throwing me off my my case here. Hey, it's okay. Um, in a tournament scene, it was a longer game. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you're playing with a lot of like when we play this game. It takes so long because we haven't played it in a year and a half. Yep. Um, so that's one of the reasons. Yeah. I still love this game despite 
everything that's wrong with and it. And I, I think it would be even taken up to another level if they cleaned up um, some of the, mar- yeah, the market stuff yeah. and some of yeah. the, I think, honestly, my biggest complaint, and not even the market, because I think that that market is really important because turn order is really important to get those resources first. I think it's, it's just delivering goods. Sloppy. Like there are these tiles you deliver goods to, but like we go through all of them so fast that yeah. the last almost two rounds, there's just nothing to deliver. Yeah. There's just basic stuff. And it's just like, like, I feel the like we, we pushed the game past where it thought we were going to go. But I think it, I, I disagree with you on that point. Cause I think it's, it's about diversifying and knowing. Well, I'm saying, but all of them, I'm saying else, like, but, yeah, like four yeah. players, like we've gotten to the game where like all of the bonus delivery tiles are all gone. Everyone's just yeah. literally selling for half price. Round, so the, the whole last round, yeah. just selling half price. half price. Yeah. Okay. It is what it is. That's yeah. Dallas. That's Dallas. All right. Last ones here, John. Yeah, what yeah, are yeah. you? Um, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. So my first two picks, I talked about short, concise play times with still a good amount of chunkiness. This is going far into the spectrum. You're looking at two, maybe three hours per game. Don't say, don't pick my game. Depending. Um, I'm going to say Cloudspire. So this is a game that Matthew and I have played, I think two or three times now. I've played a good amount of the solo for it. Um, it is an asymmetric kind of tower defense um, game that can be played competitively 1v1, which is what I would want to do. Um, and there's like seven or eight factions in this game. And I think it'd be really interesting. Basically you would show up with your little tray of what your faction pieces were. And you would sit down at a table with a randomized board effectively, and you'd play your opponent. And even if you have the same faction, right, which you could do, I think technically, um, there'd be a lot of interesting back and forth decisions. So massive learning curve. You wouldn't go do this if you've never played the game before. You wouldn't really do this if you hadn't played the game a lot, I would say, um, because there's a lot of keywords you really would want to know. But there's a depth to this game that we've just kind of scratched the surface of. And I think at a competitive level at a tournament, it would be really fun to be able to test your metal and how well you know your faction and how it you know, reacts or counters different things in other factions. And that's the piece that I think would be really cool with being able to see almost like you get in Song of Ice and Fire where you know how, you know, the Lannisters play against X, Y, or Z faction and you know what's the difficult things for you to deal with and what's the things you can easily deal with and how are you then going to react based on the board state and other things. I don't know. There's a lot of depth. I think it'd be really fun. Again, it's a long game, so it would be a a longer, uh, you know, tournament, maybe two or three, four rounds tops um, would be an all-day event, but I think it would be a good time. Um, I think the game is conducive to that kind of 1v1 competition style where you come in with your strategy you want to play this faction um and you get to know it well and that's another thing i like about being able to uh, you know execute on a strategy or show your skill through how you play the faction not just the pieces that you came in with so that's mine very good um i had a couple just two runner-ups just to mention uh five tribes would be one i i would definitely love um and also caesar um Gesture in Rome. I I think I think Blitzkrieg is a little bit more solvable of a game, whereas in Caesar it's a blank canvas, right? And then you're responding to your opponent. Um, But my for my official pick, I'm gonna get y'all gonna call me a madman. I'm gonna go with underwater cities. You're a madman. Yeah, I can see that. You can see that. I mean, it's a long game, but yeah, longer game. But I think especially playing with. Well, the thing is the game, yeah, I don't know how much the time would change, but this is a game when I'm playing, I feel like I'm just turning on all cylinders when I'm going, going at every game. I'm trying to score higher and higher than I did before, finding combos, actions, levering that. How do I optimize my city? There's so much to draft from starting players uh, to player sure. boards, 
Do you go after in-game scoring tiles? Do you go after those bonuses? I don't know if you throw in the all the expansions for like the aquarium or the museum where you're kind of a race mechanic. Um, but I just feel like this game is is really competitive and there's a lot of different strategies for how you go um, about it. And again, it's a worker placement. We all have this access to the same um, base actions, but how you build off of those, I think would be really interesting competitive. But yeah, it, it that's the thing with a lot of these games, it, it, it'd be longer. So that's why I'm thinking... In all honesty, some of these lighter games or two-player games would be a lot more sure beneficial for it. But you know, you want to have a heavy hitter in there. I didn't. I didn't touch uh, Ti because there are people that do Ti <laughs> tournaments, but I couldn't do. Careful in March was one that I thought about as well. But they had people people do that one. Yeah, yeah. So I will throw out an honorable mention, and this was just more for like I just think this one is, <laughs> and there are tournaments. I think so. These people would probably shoot me, but. I, I think this is more fun than necessarily skill, but uh, a Game of Thrones, the board game. Sure. Um, That's almost like a TI-esque idea. Yeah, with, it's yeah. more based on how the table plays, you know. Yeah, than like your like, skill in the game. Yeah. Um, still think it'd be fun. Yeah. I, mostly I just want, I would want an excuse to play that game multiple times because I we, we never play that game. How many do we need for that for it to be good? Five. Six. Six? Could you get another person? I think we could get Andrew to play. Would you? Yeah, we, we need to find one more. Are you more sure? Person. I'm saying Are you sure five. you need six? Yes. You do yeah, a minimum of six. Yeah, Starks, Greyjoys, Lannisters, uh, Tyrells, Martells, and Baratheon. Martells, mm-hmm. Baratheons. And then the Aarons make seven. Makes it. But that just adds in. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I think this would be fun. To, I've been I've been kind of itching to play this one, Brady, because yeah, I only got that to. one game in. Um, I, Brady mentioned to me the other day, and I was like, I haven't said no to any of your David suggestions. Maybe comes in one weekend, we'll yeah. get him, we'll get Andrew to play too. Anyways. Um, yeah, the, so the one I'm going to go with is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Super quick, you could get a, a tournament of this uh, in like half a day. Um, and that is Watergate. Mm, I think Watergate, yeah. I think Watergate is, is uh, deeply strategic. Um, you know, and you, there may be like, like sort of preliminary rounds, if I'm saying that sort of competitive sports term, right? <laughs> where you would just play one round. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think you you'd would, have to have it to where both players played each side. Well, I think maybe once you get so high, you would have to yeah. flip. And it would be a two out of three. Key, yeah, Keyforge does a really cool thing where, since the decks are all randomized, and you could do this in anything, that's a 1v1. But each player plays, um, you know, so you would be playing Nixon, I'd be playing the press. If you won as Nixon, we would flip. And then obviously, if you want us to press again, you've won both times. Yeah. So you're and the you're, winner. Yeah. But if I won the second, we would then, um, in Keyforge, they have like a bidding mechanism that kind of neuters your hand card draws for the beginning, where they bid for whoever wants to play the more powerful deck. And then eventually one player will say, all right, I'm not going to bid more than you. So you'll take that deck with chains, they call it, um, which kind of impedes them at the start and then the winner of that final game. So you just have to figure out a way to decide who gets the side, um, the third game. But I think that would actually work yeah. really, really well, Brady. That's a good pick. Yeah, and I, you know, I am on, what's his What's his name? Who did the? Nixon? No, not Nixon. Uh, board Game Co. guy. Oh, Alex Radcliffe. Yeah, Alex Radcliffe. He, me and him are on the same page with this. I think this is more strategic than Twilight Struggle. I know Matthew thinks I'm crazy on that. Uh, but Twilight uh, Struggle definitely feels a lot more random. I will say that. Yeah, it, to me it does. Which could this be contrived one, as less strategic too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I and this is one I think one of the only ones where I would love to go in and like play a competitive game yeah. and see how high, high I could get. Absolutely. 
All right. So that's just a taste of some of the games that we would like to play in a competitive setting. Uh, we'd love to hear any of yours. So if you hear this episode and you've got a couple ideas of, uh, you know, here's some games I wish I could play, or if you have a recent or past tournament experience where you played board game, miniatures game, et cetera, we'd love to hear that about, about that as well. Um, so feel free to join our discord, hit us up there. Um, we're going to close out today's episode, continuing our alphabet draft. So we are all the way through, I think last episode we did M N O P Monop. Um, so now we're going to do Q R S T and there are some heavy hitters in this group. So I don't know how we're going to randomly determine who gets to go first, because I just need to make sure I go before Brady. No. (laughs) All right. We're going to do the odd one out gets to go first. We're holding up ones and twos here. One. Two, three. Oh, Matthew, Matthew gets, gets to go, go, go first. Go last. Yep. No. It's a snake. Um, so I don't have very many games in um, in queues. You dirty dog. So it's either going to be Quacks of Quedlinburg or Quest for Eldorado. Oh, that, that's oh he just gave me an extra one. <laughs> <laughs> or, right, we're not including QE. the, right? We're not including the. We're well, technically say. it's the Quacks of Quedlinburg, but no, the no, queue no, is yeah. the important part of that. Yeah, so I'm going to start off. With um, Quest for Eldorado. There you go. That's great. Yeah, that, that is I'm a good happy one. now, boys. Honestly, I probably would have picked that one over QE, which is what I'm going for. Um, I've been waiting for this since we started this list. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Brady. It's a fantastic game. It is. It's great. Oh, we're going. We're going quick. Um, I will go with my T. My T game. Um, because this game is very near and dear to my heart and this might be shooting up my top 50 list as we speak. That is going to be too many bones. Oh man. Um, wow. I, I well, did. I'm only picking it you, first you because didn't, you didn't, didn't see that one coming. That I'm one. only picking this first because it deserves to be the first pick of the draft for me because it is just a fantastic game. I just got my trove chest in. Um, I'll have to snap some pictures of that. It is people in your way chest, over you. produced. It's a giant wooden box with different storage Magnetic. components. Magne- I, I got to show Matthew the other night. Um, I got that in and then I have another $600 worth of stuff coming in from their latest Kickstarter and um, all the stuff that I didn't have. So by the end of July, hopefully early August, I will have everything for the game bar one expansion and a few promos. So it's all going to fit in my trove chest. John's life savings is in that ch- I, chest right there. I just love this game. It's so good. But um, too many bones. I know I wasn't competing with anyone for that, <laughs> but um, I needed to pick it. But I'm going to get the uh, the turnaround here and pick my R game, which is Root. We finally got Root played um, after over almost a year. Um, we got it played over our long? trip this past weekend. It had been it since July of last year. Um, I came out with a win too. So first off, we didn't talk about a recent place, but I finally got a win with the underground duchy. Super, super close Brady. I think you were one or two points behind me. I ended up being, and more importantly, it was a game with very minimal whining the whole time, which is a, that's a victory for everybody really. Yeah, absolutely. So root, we've talked about it quite a bit. Love it. Brady. All right. My, mm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, and I'm going to go classic Zulkin here. Nice. Um, our number, what, two game of all time? Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Zulkin. Uh, very innovative with the, uh, the the dials turning. Nothing really up to this point has, uh, has done that better uh, than Zulkin. And it's a, it's a game that we can kind of all agree on. Yep. 
it's not necessarily like crazy stand out, but I think that's why we can all agree on it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I think that's a great pick. All righty. So with my two picks, I'm going to start off with uh, T. And I really thought uh, John may take may take this one. And I'm going with terraforming yep. Mars. I thought about it, but oh, I it, it is so good. Um, I know we've been playing uh, Terra Mystica a lot here lately, but man, I just enjoy the world and the engine building that you get in and terraforming Mars. I, I, I enjoy it all. It's a box of possibilities, really, because oh, yeah. you, I mean, you're you creating, never know what you're going to get. Yeah, and there's four different, at least four different maps, and you're you're just creating, well, I think there's five. There's base, and then there's two double-sided ones. Um, and so you're really just creating this world, and just um, there's so many possibilities with it. I love it. I, I, I've never had a bad a bad I, time with it. I just think, and I, I, I think this was a clever analogy for me to come up with, but I feel like it's just like the chicken noodle soup of board games, man. It's like, it's so just good. comfort. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just good for the soul. <laughs> it's just Growing up, there were these like devotional books called chicken noodle soup for uh, the soul or yeah. whatever it was. And that's what made me think of it. But I was like, Terraforming Mars, it, it doesn't blow me away, right? It's not flashy. It's well, not, speak for yourself. Well, I, I don't think it's flashy. I think flashy. It, to me, it it's has just gotten to where... Solid. Um, like I can't take it too seriously because it has a little bit of this, um, where it feels like the game is playing me just a touch. Sure. Um, where there are some times where I'm like, I'm in just, just not getting what I need to get here. Yeah. And because yeah. of that, I'm, I'm not scoring very high That's or fair. whatever. Yeah. Like for me, I've gotten to a point where I just enjoy the experience of terraforming Mars to where yeah, I, yeah. I like, I like, I, we are going to have a look at some of these people who play competitive. Like we do not score well or efficiently at this game anywhere near like people are scoring twice as much as we are but i just enjoy the experience similar to zulkin where i'm not even really concerned about winning i'm just how much can i do this game yeah enjoy it and so that's my t uh, and then as there's going to be one and only and that's gonna be a song of ice and fire wow okay. song of ice and fire that's fire good one um nothing more needs to be said on that yeah it's a good one it's a miniatures game oh yeah yeah all right uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Specter Ops. Wait, Brady, are you S. telling me you're not gonna pick X-wing when we get to X? Um, we're not on X, brother. Yeah, I know, but I'm X. calling it. This miniatures game, Brady's gonna pick it. You want you two are. Well, I almost picked it for S Star Wars X-wing. No, no. But Specter Ops, um, Brady. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Specter Ops. To me, I know this is a hot debate. Uh, the best hidden movement game. Uh, number one, because behind mind management, management of course, mind management is not a hidden movement game. It's a I, deduction. That's game. the deduction. I do have to say this publicly. That might be the worst take that you have. That it's not a hidden <laughs> movement game. But well, I agree. It's more deduction. It's more deduction than it is hidden movement. That's yes. Right. Okay. Um. It, yeah. But I, mean, I love I deduction. So Spectre Ops is so difficult to be the hidden movement person, and yeah, I've never done I, it. But I've played a couple I times. Totally agree with you, but and for some reason. This game gets a pass from me. I don't. I can't tell you why. Hey. Because I love the challenge of it. I'm like, can I be the one person who manages to escape the facility? Well, I think that any kind of hidden movement game, it should <laughs> lean more towards uh, the person hiding has a harder job. Where, sure. like, you take a little thing from Letters from Whitechapel, the, the person who's hiding, fest. huh? That's a snooze. But fest. the person hiding has a much higher rate of winning than the yeah. people trying to find yeah. them. My only complaints with Spectre Ops is that it is it is not an elegant game. 
It's got a lot of characters with a lot of abilities. Mm-hmm. Get clunky or rules. You know, the movement can be a little clunky. And again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. But I almost always play the hidden guy. Not only because I enjoy it the most, but also it's just so easy to mess up uh, the rules as sure. that person. And the game and breaks if you do. And too. the game breaks if you do. Um, so, yeah, that's why. But I, I still... I love the game. This is sort of in the same realm as City of the Big Shoulders. Like, I almost, I love the game despite itself, and I would love for them to come out, which they actually did kind of come out with a Spectre Ops 2, but... Oh, really? They didn't change anything. Yeah, I have it. Um, They they just came out with, it's like an extra map and with extra characters, and that's great. Mm -hmm. I I love more content. Um, I wish it was just a touch streamlined, though. Sure. That's fair. All right, so going back um, to the letter Q here, there's very minimal. I had two games written on it, and Matthew came up with Quest for El Dorado, so he saved me. Um, so my uh, pick is going to be Quacks of Quedlinburg, a game <laughs> I've only played once. It's a bit wacky, a bit zany, um, but is a fun little push-your-luck game. Put this with Jacob and uh, some friends way back, um, and it was just a good time. I don't think it's the most strategic game, but I think it's... Uh, Fun little push-your-luck board game there. So Q is going to be Quacks of Quedlinburg. And S is really hard. There are so many good games. Other than Q, this is a stacked... With S. uh, Yeah, but um, I have to pick a game that I recently played a little bit and enjoyed. I played, I think, two or three games of this solo. Um, We actually just recommended it to a a friend as well, and that's going to be Spirit Island. So this is one of the top-rated... I think this actually won to go back to our March uh, Madness. It did win March Madness, Spirit Island. Um, it's just a fantastic replayable game with tons of content. Um, really enjoy it. Um, it's a bit of a bear to set up until I got the, like the wooden insert thing, which has helped a lot, but uh, spirit Island will be my S pick here. All right, going to the last round, Brady. All right, going to my R, this is actually extremely difficult, but I'm actually going to choose this one for my boy, Andrew, um, who gave me a shout out at our last, just this little game get together. Uh, it, so Royals is going to beat out Rajas of the Ganges. Even Thank though, goodness. <laughs> even though I love Rajas of the Ganges, Royals does. I, there's a there's a Royals has a higher disparity of love for how good of a game it is, and that is why it's going to win. Um, it this is an absolute slayer of Ticket to Ride. It's great. True. Setting the bar high there. Huh? Setting the bar high. Yeah, Even though Ticket to Ride Legacy coming out though. I know. When are we going to get True. Royals Legacy? Come on. Get Come them on, on it. Yeah. Call up Matt. Give me Stone Age Legacy. I'll take that. I think. Wasn't that in the works or something? I have no idea. Um. Anyways, Matt said, or not Matt, uh, Andrew said he picked this up not that long ago because it was on sale. It's always mm-hmm. on sale. And I would tell anyone, if you see it for like 20, 25 bucks, pick it up because yeah. it's worth it. Especially if you're more entry level too, or you want to introduce your family to some games. Yes. This is such a good, again, this is not some grandiose strategy game, but this is just the perfect weight entry level strategy game. Sure. It's great. I love it. Royals. Good pick, Brady. Thank All right, Matthew, closing us out. I believe you also are on your R. Yep. Um, and so since Brady didn't take it, and I will go Wait, with it. It deserves to be on the list. It deserves to be on the list somewhere. And so let's go ahead and give it to Rajas of the Ganges. Um, unique theme, unique scoring mechanics. It did it first um, to where you win how you want to win. All you have to do is get your um, victory that points and your, and, your, and your money resources my, to cross. My. Yeah. 
And so, and then it has dice worker placement, dice manipulation. You're having a little tile placement. You're trying to build some of these economy and resource engines going as well, managing your dice. I think it's a lot of great stuff. We have both of those little goodie boxes with some extra little modules. Uh, we Y'all won't let me put in our games. Um, yes. Believe it or not, I still have not played this game. Really? What? I still have John, not played it. Oh I played my word. Gizia twice. I was gone one week and you guys played Agizia and Rajas in the same night. Came back to you raving about both of them. I played Agizia twice now, yeah. but have still played not played the, We played on the Dice Tower Cruise. Man, Rajas, John, you don't know what you're missing, brother. Come on. The, it's so great. And then the, 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 the music playlist to go with it as well. <laughs> yeah. Is it as good as Mombasa's? Uh, it's probably, yeah, it's up it, there. Yeah, same level. That underwater cities. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so, some good lists here. So we'll again throw these in the Discord, get y'all's thoughts on them. We'd love to know some of your favorite games from these letters. Um, but anyways, yeah, y'all, y'all are going to nationals. I'm still, still getting used to it. I'm sitting in the presence. Ray, give me a fist bump right now. Champions yeah. here. So, fist bump. Um, hope you've enjoyed our hey, listen, discussion. Listen, even if, even if for whatever reason we can't go, just knowing that we qualified and our names yeah. are on the list that to we, go to if, nationals. That if we went to nationals, we would have won. You know, well, the thing is, you don't know like if that. we don't go to nationals, you don't know that we wouldn't won, or it's like Shorter's <laughs> cat. We had both yeah, won and didn't win at the same time. Uh, you um, know, I but was it's, in- it's validating. I feel we put a we put a lot of time, effort, mm-hmm. uh, hours painting. painting into this game. We enjoy it, and so it just felt it almost just like, hey, you got a bitch to nationals. Imagine you'd, have to, have, you'd have to find a way to transport those well, minis, Matthew. If you We'd if you end up going to to nationals, you cannot go with an unpainted list. I'm uh, friends. Don't let friends. Go would you help me? Yeah, I would. I okay. Would help you. Wow. Yeah, because you still have a bunch got, of Warhammer. I got Gregor painted. Together. I have my. I have one set of Warrior Sons that are that are. I got their sort coat painted. Halfway painted enough. Painted enough. I just need to get my Flademen, which are primed and dry brushed. They're ready to be speed painted. I need my other Cav list and then a couple in my NCUs and commanders. And Brady, stuff. did you know that in Warhammer you actually get ten victory points yes, I by having I a fully actually, painted army? I actually just how many victory points do you need to win? You usually cap yeah. out at hundred. It's ten percent of your victory points come from having a painted army. Well, are you in serious? Tournament, in tournaments, yeah. yeah. So everyone does it. Obviously, it's like a it's a. Which honestly, I think you know, if you're a big but, baller, if you just if you just got like if you just got, <laughs> I won't even say, but. You walk in there with an unpainted. <laughs> you walk in there with an unmade manager, and you say, "I am so much better than you." I yeah, literally bought it. these off the shelf and glued them last night. Let me come and eat your lunch. You put you spent no, two hundred and fifty hours rip painting that the box and put the sprues on the table. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm yeah. just pushing. These are I, I cut. I printed out pictures of my units. I'm moving <laughs> yeah. them. And you spent uh, thousands of hours painting yours. Yeah. Let me show. I don't need those ten points. Let me show right. you. What you I were got. when they were painting, Matthew. You were studying the blade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Wow. Oh, studying. Um, but I was I was in a little bit of a a song of ice and fire slump there for a while, and I think the pandemic sort of I don't know I don't know what, but it just seemed like Simon kind of completely forgot about the game. But sure. we just got a, a recent update that sort of has reinvigorated my faith. We got one in Simon to take to. To foster, yeah, this we got game. one back in March, which is kind of a balance changes. But now they're kind of reworking and retooling, yeah. and it's not like like it's not like hey, I need this unit to be completely different every year or something. But like, I need to know that you care. There's, there's, there's a lot of development, develop yeah. abilities, yeah. creating new new ways of playing the game and things like that. Um, and yeah, so it's exciting. There's a lot more coming yeah. down the line. Um, 
Very cool. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for this week's episode. I don't think we really have a lot of stuff as far as like Kickstarter and crowdfunding right now. There's a new... I backed Apex Legends all in. You did? Oh, that's right. Yes. There's the new Vitalis Order game on Kickstarter too. You should in, check inventions, it out. Inventions. Age of in- Inventions. Um, Crossbows and Catapults looks like a grand old time. And then there is the new, the current Awakened Realms game, Stalker, which is doing really well on GameFound. It's it, it's going to be kind of a solo to co-op survival yeah. type game set in Chernobyl universe to where the Chernobyl events have caused mutations and creatures and there's rifts and portals to demons from my understanding. I've never played the video games, but it's kind of a, it's kind of like a alternate horror supernatural survival type game um, based on the video game. All right. I think that's going to be it for this week's episode. As always, I'm Matthew. I'm John. And I'm Brady. And this has been the The discussion discussion phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the discussion phase. If you enjoy the content and like to hear more, be sure to tune back for new episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at the discussion phase and our discord link below. Let us know your thoughts on all these topics. Thanks everybody.